All right. Well, welcome to the class uh, that we call Bragging on Jesus. This is week two. And if this is your first week, let me just explain briefly what we do here. Um, we look at a, a passage or series of texts. And we do, we, as we do, we look for God's truth. We want to see his glory. We want to be transformed ourselves. We want God's character and attributes to, to, uh, to we want to be, be in his same image, be transformed, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. Um, and we, we uh, as we study God's word, we don't just look at it and we don't just read it, which are great, but we study it and we, we, when we see a truth, we want to order the truth that God has shown us into words and sentences. Uh, we want to turn them into applications for our own life that we can use and live out, internalize. And, um, and so we write things down. We paraphrase stories and all kinds of creative rising writings we do this for ourselves but not only for ourselves because uh, our purpose in life is to glorify God and the two sub um, purposes you might say sub goals are in, in our mission is includes not only for us to receive God's glory but also to uh, share God's glory with others. Uh, we we must be participants in the great commission that Jesus gave to His disciples and to us. So that's what we do. We do creative writing that that helps us and might be to order our thoughts and to ponder and to meditate on God's truth. And um, and then we also. In, in doing so, we write creatively that others might see Jesus more clearly. So every, every session we open up with a, a verse that we don't really discuss much about, but it's a, it keeps us on track and it relates to how and, and, and the topic of bragging on Jesus. The Bible is full of these, these verses and this one I've got today is from Luke uh, 16 beginning with verse 14. Um, here's what it says. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Speaking of Jesus. He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And so, why is this a text about bragging on Jesus? It's because uh, we see that Jesus ridiculed the Pharisees for exalting um, themselves. They were lovers of money. They exalted other things um, besides God. Instead of bragging on Jesus, they exalted money, but it, they also tried to justify themselves before men instead of seeking the justification from God that comes through his only son who was perfect and righteous, something the Pharisees could never be. 
Um, so again, the last line, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. All right, we're going to move on into the class today, and we want to look through uh, a timeline of Peter and, um, and, uh, and, and focus on one verse, or actually only eight words, and we're going to, to write a devotional. Uh, on those eight words. However, we're going to take the scenic route to those words, and I want us to get the context and to get some ideals for our devotion by looking at the a timeline out of Peter's life. Now, last week we we're going to begin that same timeline as last week. It was right before Jesus goes to the cross. He was given his disciples' final instructions, and last words can be, are usually pretty important when someone gives them, uh, especially if it's intentional. If it's, if it's like last words are, uh, look mom, no hands, well, that's, that may not be too important. Or which wire was I supposed to cut again, you know. However, you know, if you're saying, if your parents are saying goodbye to the children leaving for college, those are famous last words, or getting married, or what if the loved one, a loved one passes away and they give you final words? Uh, that, that would be something that's important uh, to instruct you and encourage you. And last words sometimes also go before great crusades and campaigns and uh, but they, they so many times in, in, include encouragement and instruction to keep a charge. So they're meant to be important. And that goes for Jesus' last words. We looked at some of his last words, but not the, the truly last words in the book of John. Now, in the, what is it? I think it's in Matthew and Mark and Luke. They also, the last words of Jesus include um, references or the Great Commission. Uh, so it's about mission. The possible exception is Mark, where the oldest copies um, we have exclude Jesus' final directive. So we don't know for sure. That may have been uh, added by a scribe at a later time. So, but, uh, but that's the truth that we have to the best of our knowledge. So, we will take a look at the roller coaster timeline of Peter's faith and, and how Jesus worked in his life and to what end. So, um, I, I think that um, Peter's life is, can be, I, we can identify with him. And I think if we write a devotion in relationship to Jesus speaking to Peter, uh, the last eight words in the book of John, it is connected to mission. And I think it can identify with every single person alive. Um, and so we should find a pretty good application to write about. We'll talk more about that later. Let's begin the timeline and uh, a little earlier in Peter's life. We're going to go uh, backtrack uh, to before Jesus went to the cross. Um, let's see, Jesus is speaking to Peter, um, or to the disciples, and Peter answers. Matthew 16, 15, 
He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, you know, how would you feel maybe if uh, Jesus spoke these words to you? It would probably make you pretty feel pretty good about yourself. You mean, boy, I got this answer right. Yes, uh, God has, has shown me this truth. And you, you, you would just feel kind of pumped, wouldn't you? And, uh, and so just 18, 19, 20, three verses later, uh, let's continue in Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. So, you know, Jesus, or Peter was at a high just a second before, you know, and Jesus rebuked him. Now, if you were Peter, how might you... What might have been going on in your mind then? I mean, it would be your roller coaster was on the downward slope at that point, I think. It would be for me. Um, let's continue on. We've got a lot to cover. Um, so there's a lot more um, connections uh, in, in Peter's life, I think, that we could make points of reference. Um Let's see, let's fast forward to the same setting where we were in, in week number one, when Jesus gave him, his disciples instructions for mission before he went to the cross. Remember, he said, abide in me and, and uh, bear much fruit. And he, he was telling them about how to live and how, how to stay on mission. And uh, he would give them anything they asked for, uh, for the glory of God, that Jesus, the Son, might be glorified. Uh, the Father might be glorified in the Son. And they were having their Last Supper, and Jesus, um, this was just before Jesus, instigated the Lord's Supper. Let's continue. Matthew, um, a few chapters later, 26, verse 20. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. So this would include all the disciples, the roller coaster, um, all of a sudden went down, you know. So it's like, wow. Was there like self-doubt or in their hearts, you know? Um, I think maybe so. There was some self-doubt, but there was, uh, and the question, this next verse, the very next verse here, uh, think about it, was there a sense of humility in the room? Was there fear that one of their close comrades might might betray Christ? Uh, verse 22, and they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And so they were concerned. Maybe it's me. Self-doubt seems to have filtered 
or filled the room. You know, and that's almost a sign of humility, it seems like, because we know we're all broken. And in my book, that would be the roller coaster was, um, yes, they were they were doubting, but but he was saying they were being humble in a sense. So the roller coaster may have been going uphill a little bit. Um, if I was writing or drawing a graph out. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Luke for uh, the continued timeline. Um, tw chapter 22, verse 23. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Now look at this very next verse. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So they had just asked, it seems, um, is it I, Lord? Right? They were sorrowful. It seemed like they had humility. But now, <laughs> they... Satan seems to have been working in their heart. Which one was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God? I think they had the same type of uh, discussion earlier on in Jesus' ministry, and he brought a child before them uh, and tried to talk to them about it, encourage them on how to be great. And he does it again here in the next verse. And so the roller coaster goes downhill there, all the disciples that were there. And, uh, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise authority or lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Um, so that's verse 25 of Luke 22. So in Jesus's encouragement, I see the graph uh, going up. He's encouraging the disciples. You know, yes, you know, it, it's wrong to try to be great by in the ways of the world, but it's not wrong to be great in the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you how to be great. You know, be the servant. And so just, uh, let's see, six verses later, Luke 22, 31, Jesus is speaking to Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So in this, now all of a sudden the roller coaster is going back downhill. I mean, Jesus is praying for him, yes, but in, in the life of Peter, Satan wants him to sift him like wheat. And uh, now we'll pick up in John where we were last week and um, and continue this timeline uh, in this in that same day before Jesus was taken away to be ridiculed and, and beaten and, and crucified. And Jesus says this, verse uh, 34 of John 13, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're all also, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus builds them up, and, and the graph seems to go back up, you know, the roller coaster in their life. Uh, and then um, 
just a few verses later, verse 37 of John 13, Jesus, uh, in between there, he says he was going away. And in verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And in, at least in the emotional state of Peter, uh, it seems to be high. Uh, the roller coaster seems to go up in his own self-sufficiency. But it, it's really not. Uh, it's really not up. In the next verse, uh, 38, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Um, and we'll go to Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So the roller coaster is at the bottom here. It's, it's almost at the bottom. Uh, Peter is, is, is saying, it seems here, that he loves Jesus more than all the other disciples. His, his self-sufficiency, uh, his pride, he thought he was better, it seems like. And you know that pride cometh before a fall. So, um, and then all the disciples. Um, it says, uh, Peter, in verse 35, Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So they'd all rather die than deny. And when they came for Jesus, then uh, Peter sliced off the ear of a servant of the high priest. But then all the disciples, uh, they ran away. Matthew 26, 56, then all the disciples left him and fled. Then we find Peter following afar off. Uh, and he denies Jesus three times. And then Matthew 26, 75. Um, and so Peter's at the bottom of the roller coaster now. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So there we have uh, much of the... Uh, the roller coaster life of Peter in relationship to, to Jesus and spiritual things and uh, staying on mission. And his mission seemed to, to continually be uh, going back and forth between the mission of God and his own, his own understanding of, of things. Um, so here at the end of, of, of the rabbi's life, all Jesus' disciples, they must have felt like you know, failure, especially Peter. Um, and uh, likely, if, if it was me, I think I would be in a deep state of depression. So next in our timeline, we see Jesus dies on the cross, pays the wages of our sin. He rises from the grave three days later. And Jesus appears to his disciples um, behind a locked door, but Thomas is not there, remember? There's no indication that Peter spoke to Jesus. I expect that Peter, you know, was going through a hard time here, trying to understand who he was. You know, I said I would die for, for my Lord, and I did not. In fact, I denied him three times. Am I a fake believer? 
right? So he saw Jesus had rose from the grave and he had forsaken this one. It was like he didn't believe him, you know. He wasn't willing to, to confess him before men. He denied him three times. He even swore. No. And there's no indication that Jesus spoke to Peter or Peter spoke to Jesus or talked about this, this thing going on in Peter's heart. So later, Peter wanted to go fishing and some of the disciples went with him. They fished all night. And they, did, they didn't catch anything, but uh, you know the story probably. Jesus calls to them from shore, and he has them cast their nets again to, to catch fish. They recognize Jesus, and Peter swims to shore. And Jesus cooks them breakfast. So we're about there. We're getting close to the last words Jesus speaks in the book of John, and it's not going to be the Great Commission, but it is going to be related. This one book strays from that. Um, let's begin in verse 15 of John 21, the last chapter in John. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now he may have pulled him to the side, we don't know. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Okay. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. You see the, the connection to missions so far? To be on, stay on course, stay on mission. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will... Uh, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. All right, well, you know, I, I think that there was depression settling down on Peter's heart over the last few days. Self-doubt. Who am I? You know, how can I tell Jesus I, I truly love him with agape love? The kind that was self-sacrificing, willing to go all the way. I know I love him uh, as a friend, I mean, but, but Jesus is so specific when he talks to him in the Greek. He asks him if he loves him with agape love. And Peter says, yes, I love you, but he answers that he loves him with the love, and the Greek word he uses is phileo love. I love you like a friend. All right? It seems to me, I may be wrong, it seems to me that Peter has a hard time saying, yes, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die for you. 
I mean, he had said that before, and he didn't follow through. He had self-doubt. Uh, he must have felt horrible. But Jesus keeps encouraging him to, to stay on mission, to be on mission, to feed his sheep, tend his sheep, feed his lambs. And, and so Jesus asked him three times, which, which I think is a, a connection, uh, uh, you know, pointing him to his own sin, the, own, the heart of his sin. You know, he denied Jesus three times. He didn't trust Jesus. He strayed from mission. He strayed from belief. And now Jesus is saying, he's asking, you know, do you love me enough to die for me? I think that's what he said, saying. Do you love me with that agape love? Uh, and so, um, so uh, something really fantastic happens after Jesus encourages him to mission and asks him, this is probably the same questions he's been asking himself all along. Um, Jesus tells him that he is going to be willing to die for him. He tells him that he's going to die on a cross. And uh, that's what uh, you know, the Christian history t teaches us, that that's how, how Peter died. Um, it is said that Peter desired to not die the same way Jesus died, but to turn the cross upside down because he wasn't worthy. I don't know if that's true or not. So, so I think Jesus uh, had Peter confront his sin, but he also told him that, you know, you need to stay on mission and, uh, you know, have faith, Peter. You do love me with this love because you are going to die. That must have relieved the greatest burden that Peter had on his heart for the last week or however long it was. You know, it must have lightened. He must have thought, man, nothing can stop me now in the kingdom of God. I do love Jesus. But, you know, these same words might be used by Satan to weigh Peter back down again. Can you, can you think of how that might happen? Well, yeah, nobody wants to die in the flesh, right? Um, let's, uh, let's read. Let's read a little bit of uh, the rest of the, uh, let's see, verses 20 and 21. It includes our, our main text for today. Uh, now that Peter's uh, doubts are, are cleared up, you know, um, nothing can stop him. He probably, he feels like he's on top of the world, I think. And here's what we read. Peter turned. This is like right away after, after everything seems good. He thinks that Satan is out of the way and, and not holding him down. He's a believer. He loves Jesus with that kind of love. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during supper. And it said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? You know, this, I mean, can you, you know, Satan has probably been working in the disciples' hearts over the last three years. Remember a couple times, I think, they, they, they talked about, you know, who would be the greatest. Even John, um, 
this disciple Jesus loved. He was known as this disciple, I think. The, the disciple that Jesus loved. In that alone, it seems that well, there's a possibility of jealousies creeping up in the hearts of the others. And it was John and James that uh, their mother brought came before Jesus with them and said, can, can my son sit on your right hand, your left hand? This jealousy uh, is a part of the brokenness that we all face in life, even among believers. And um, let's see. And when Peter saw him, that's, that's John we're talking about. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? You know, Lord, you told me I'm going to die on a cross the same way you died. You know, that's good. I know that. That relieved my doubts. But it is still death. And it's a painful death. What about John? Is it only me that's going to die this kind of death? So, so Peter, remember, uh, one of the points we didn't talk about in his life was when he walked on the water to Jesus, but he, he lost focus. That seems to be his, his problem and our problem throughout life. He lost focus of Jesus, took his eyes off of the mission, took his eyes off of Jesus. Um, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So we've looked at a lot of things today. Those last eight words are the total focus that everything led up to. Jesus, The last words that Jesus speaks in the book of John, it's not the Great Commission. But it's something that it's personal to each one of us. What is that to you? You follow me. I think um, Peter could have used that for every roller coaster downhill uh, low that he experienced in his life. It would have been good. It would have solved his problems. If you would have followed Jesus, put his eyes back on Jesus. And, and so today, um, you're assignment for next week and we'll start on it. I've got some papers that might help um, about writing out a devotion. That'll be your assignment. Write out a little devotion. Uh, probably, I mean, you can make it long or short. There's no rules here. Um, if it's a, you, you might have a, a target audience, right? That That's helpful. Just a few things that's helpful in that. Have a tar target audience if you want. You don't have to. Uh, pick the scripture, and so we've got a scripture already picked there, and um, if you want to relay something else out of Peter's life, then you can add a, uh, a supporting scripture, right? Uh, a scripture that uses an example out of, out of scripture itself um, uh, to portray the truth. I mean, maybe anywhere in the Bible. And to write a devotional, you might have a main thought, that uh, uh, the main glimpse of glory that you want to show your readers. Um, so remember, we're writing not just for ourselves, to, to learn how to put things, words in order, 
to, sh to articulate God's glory, but we're writing for others as well, as for us to ponder. And yes, a target audience is, is helpful. Do you want to write to children, um, uh, youth, adults, or a broad spectrum? And you, you want to kind of address um, things that those people can identify with to draw them in to the devotion. All right. And you can also relate the truth with a, a personal experience or a current events, um, a true or a made-up story, a, a lot of different things. And I've got some handouts that can be, might be helpful, use metaphors, things like that. We don't want our readers to fall asleep. So that's the assignment for, for next week. Actually, we'll work on it a little bit here in class. And, uh, until class run, runs out, then we'll close with a prayer. Uh, let's go ahead and close the recording here now with a prayer. Father God, uh, we love you, Lord. Um, thank you for your word. Um, forgive us for failing you, Lord, like Peter, Lord. And we stray. We get... We get drawn away, Lord. We lose our focus and take our eyes off of you, Lord, and we've done that. And help us now, Lord, to abide in you as we've learned and talked about, Lord, on a regular basis so that we might bear much fruit. Help us not to be drawn away, Lord, um, by, by things of the world. But um, let's remember your words, too, uh, that what is that to you? Uh, you follow me. See, our mission, Lord, has changed. You know that, Lord. And the things that used to concern us are to no longer concern us. You're going to take care of those things, Lord. Yes, we live in a world where there's responsibilities, but the passions of our heart don't satisfy. Uh, we don't seek satisfaction in them. We seek it in you, Lord. Those are the things that that we follow, Lord. You're, you're, you're a passion for you, Lord, a passion for your worship and for following you, uh, for your glory. That's what makes us happy, Lord. Keep us on track. Guide us as we uh, ride out a devotional, Lord, and help it to be a good study for us, to help us to form uh, our thoughts, Lord, around the glory you show us, and also that it might be beneficial in articulating God's word to others, Lord. Help us to walk in your spirit close to you this week. Um, all things, Lord, to the praise of your glorious grace. In Jesus' name, amen.